Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, my name is Rachel Turner. Um, I'm going to try to be quiet for the baby. So beautiful. So happy to see you. Uh, That's the the most self-control I have. It's going to go up from here. I apologize. Uh, Right. It's so good to see you all. I'm really excited uh, to share with you today. We're continuing our series of... uh, of what we do on the first of the month, which is talking about sort of who we are, and we're talking about we are called to be transformed by Christ, to be join in with what he's doing, and to love Christ. Well, enjoy his presence, isn't it? Right, well, today, I wanted to tell you a story. And it might be a story that you don't know, or think you know, but know in a different way. It's the story of Ananias and Barnabas. Does everyone know that story? Mm, yeah, see, it's not all the same. So I'm going to tell you the story. If you, want, if you want to follow along and get spoilers, you can join us in Acts 9. But if you just want to enjoy it as it comes, feel free. So to give you some background of this story, the story is about, well, a community in Damascus. And they were Jewish people. And at the time, Jewish people believed that there was one day going to come a person who was going to rescue them from the horrible stuff that was happening. And at that time, there were Romans there who were occupying the land, and they were under the thumb of the Romans. And they believed that one day God was going to send a savior, probably in some sort of military outfit, who was excellent at fighting, and just like me, and uh, was going to come and kick them all in the face and be like, get out, and then be like, yay, we won. So some military commander was coming, and they were waiting for this holy, amazing commander who was going to come and rescue them. And then Jesus came, and some people were like, that's the guy. I mean, he doesn't look like the way we thought, but he's going to save us for more than just the Romans. He's saving us from our sins and from, from life without God. He's saving us from everything. So a bunch of the Jewish people began to believe in Jesus and understand that and learn how to be a community with that. Well, the people who didn't think that Jesus was the one was like, what are you doing? That is not the guy. And the Christians were now like, that is the guy. And the Jewish people are saying, that is not the guy. And if you think that's the guy, then you're disobeying God. And so now we're going to have to kill you. So it got really, really complicated. So there were people who didn't know Jesus who were like, that's not the guy. And if you believe that Jesus is the guy, you are wrong. And we're going to have to smush you. And we're going to have to kill you. And there started being some stonings. And there started being people being killed by the Jewish religious community saying, you are wrong. There was a guy called Stephen who got killed by people throwing stones at him until he died because he was saying, Jesus is the one. And the other people were saying, no, he's not. It got really, really rough. And some of the community, the religious community who did not believe in Jesus were getting really passionate. And one guy was like, right. We're killing Christians here, and that's good. You know what we really should be doing? Killing Christians other places. So 
can you give me a letter, please? Because there's this place called Damascus. That's about five hours drive away, except he didn't have a car. So he was like, there's a place called Damascus, about eight hours walk, eight days walk from here. Uh, It'll take me a long time, worth it. And I'm going to walk or ride a horse. It'll take four days, depending on mode of transport. Uh, And so I would like to go there and find me some Christians to arrest and bring them back here so we can keep doing the good work that we're doing, getting rid of Christians. So he's ready to go. So the people in Damascus, one of the guys is Ananias. He's up there, and he's heard the rumor. Now, what would you do if you knew that there was coming to your city, small city, someone whose job it was to find you for what you believed, arrest you, and take you back to a place that has already killed people for who you believe? How would you feel? Scared, yeah. What would you do? I would, I, a small militia evidently would rise up. Um, so I would hide. I'd be like, and these are the 10 days that I would be self-imposed lockdown. Shh, don't tell anybody who I am. So Ananias is aware of this happening. And he's hanging out at home. And this is when our story picks up. Acts 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, or Ananias, or Ananias. I don't know. I feel very uncomfortable doing God's voice. Um, so, Ananias, in a vision. So maybe, maybe it was written. I don't know. Yes, Lord, he answered. Good answer. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas. Not that Judas, different Judas. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So Ananias, hanging out. All of a sudden, God's like, psst, I got a job for you. I want you to go to this exact address, which I love. I love that that's the only reference to Judas on Straight Street that we have, but I love that he like gave him the address. Um... Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, ask for a man, this guy, uh, he's praying in a vision, he's had a man named Ananias, that's you, come and place his hands on him. Now, alarm bells go off in Ananias' brain, because who is Saul from Tarsus? The guy, right? Saul from Tarsus is the guy, the guy who's like, hey, we're killing Christians, feeling good, give me a letter, let's do it some more. That guy, right? They know his name. That guy's hanging out in a house praying. And God's like, hey, you don't get to hide anymore. Why don't you go to his house and go say, hey, let me pray for you. Anyone volunteering for that job? No. Yeah, well, you would. I bet you would. You're very bold and brave. But that's a, that's a big thing, right? I'd take a couple of gulps. Ananias, having an encounter with the living God, goes, Lord. Ananias answered, I have heard many reports, as if God doesn't know this, but I love it. Sometimes you just need to clarify with God. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, in case you don't know, he has come with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. 
And I like at this point, Ananias is like, and now Jesus is going to be like, oh man, you're right, that's all, never mind. (laughs) Shockingly, God, not surprised, uh, follows up with, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name for the Gentiles, those are people who aren't Jews, and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So now you're stuck. (laughs) You're Ananias. You told God what you think. And God's like, off you go. And the last you heard was that Saul is a killer of people who believe what you want. And now God's sending you straight to his house. Because he's praying. And Ananias, amazingly, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Just, hello, I'm here. I'm here to see the Christian killer. Um goes to the house and enters it. And I, I just want to pause for a minute. Is that he went, but he didn't know what God had been doing in the life of Saul. He went to a scary person, ready to minister, and he had no idea what God had been doing in the life of Saul. Does anyone know what God had been doing in the life of Saul? Yeah, can someone tell me? Yes, so the baby said yes, and I was like, yeah, preach. What had been God doing in the life of Saul? Encountered him on the road to Damascus. Saul was on his way to Damascus to do some killing and was like, ha! Uh, Arrives, uh, presents himself to Paul, and Paul encounters Saul, encounters God, Jesus, in all of his glory, sees Jesus before him. Jesus tells him who Jesus is and tells him to go because uh, there is somebody who's going to pray for you. Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. Saul is having a massive encounter with God. Ananias doesn't know that. All he knows is there is a guy who's coming to persecute him and kill him, and his job is to go minister to him. Part of being transformed by Jesus is knowing that it's not just all going to be about the encounter. Sometimes, many times, God is going to work through the lives of other people in your life. And we, as the people of God, have got to be ready to be like Ananias and go be a part of other people's transformation. Not because it's comfortable and not because it's fun, but because God chooses to use us to be part of the transformation of others. Ananias had no idea what God was doing in the life of Saul, and he showed up anyways. I would suggest that there are people in our lives who are the last people in the world that we would want to minister to. (laughs) It's okay. I wasn't going to say it's not being recorded, but it is. Um, So we're not going to name those people out loud. Um, But if you think about people in your life, people at school who may be mean to you, people uh, at work who just seem to undermine you everywhere you go, family members who have spoken into your heart and you feel like every time I encounter them, they're just destructive. There are people in our lives who we think, please, please, please don't ask me to minister to them. But you never know what God's doing in their life. And you never know what God's going to ask you to do. 
There's a sacrifice of being to say, I'm willing to minister to whoever you're asking me to minister to. Not on my own back, not because I'm like, you need Jesus, I'm going to come minister to you. But in response to God saying, hey, I'm doing something in that person's lives and I need you to go partner with me. There's a choice that comes to say yes. Ananias had a big choice. So Ananias shows up, knocks on the door, enters it, and then I like how we miss out all of the awkward small talk. The Bible just skips over that, but I assume there was some sort of awkward small talk. And then it says in verse 17, Then Ananias went into the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. I just want to pause on the generosity of that phrase. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Seeing Jesus was a bit shocking, so he was blinded. That's a bold thing. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And the only person who could baptize him, by the way, was Ananias because Judas was like just his buddy, right? So, so, so Ananias goes to a place of a guy who wants to kill him and instead finds a person who needs Jesus, prays for him, gets to baptize him, and gets to see, help him eat for the first time in three days. That's a good day. That was not the day Ananias thought he was going to have when he woke up that day. He goes and he gets to be a small part of Saul being healed and set on his path. Ananias was obedient and willing even in the face of fear. There will be times where there will be kids at our school who are the last people in the world that we want to be a part of them meeting Jesus. But God's going to ask us anyways. There are people in our lives that God is going to point to. And when we walk boldly, he's going to do something exciting we got to be willing to wade into it because we get to be a small part of other people's journeys with God because he's got them on a journey and he picks us to do it with him. The second part of this, because it's not just Ananias, oh no, in one chapter, God uses three sets of people. The second thing, I always find we end that story there and he got healed, the end. That is not the end of what happens next. The next bit is this. <laughs> Paul, Saul, who's like, he eventually starts being called Paul, which is why I keep getting confused. Um, so Saul spent several days with the disciples, right? So he's like, wow, I wanted to kill you guys. Now I see Jesus. Have a whole new thing. Let's hang out. Which I think, obviously, Ananias had to do something there to make that happen. Uh, so Ananias is like, hey, guys, remember that guy? <laughs> You'll never believe what happened. So Ananias comes, and, and he hangs out with them for several days. He spends several days with the disciples. And then he's like, right. <sighs> the verse says this, 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. So we've got, in the span of, what, six days, guys like, I'm going to kill Christians. Oh, my goodness, Jesus. I don't want to eat. I'm just going to pray for three days. Wow, I got healed. Going to hang out with some disciples? Preach it on Sunday. That's a week. That's a week. That's a good week. Uh, he's preaching on Sunday. He's preaching at the synagogues, so on Saturday, that Jesus is the Son of God to Jewish people who don't necessarily believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He went from persecuting people who believe it to saying it in front of other people who now might want to kill him. All those who heard them were astonished and asked, 
Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he, like that guy, come here to take them prisoners to the chief priests? <laughs> so they're listening to them. Ooh, can't wait to hear Saul. Can you imagine showing up at the synagogue? Ooh, going to hear Saul talk about how terrible people who believe in Jesus is. And then Saul starts talking about how Jesus is the son of God. And they're like, that's not the sermon I thought we were getting today. (laughs) Saul's like, woo, Jesus is the son of God. I believe it. And they're confused. Uh, So uh, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews, surprise, conspired to kill him. So he comes up, I'm going to kill Christians. He starts preaching, Jesus is the Christ. And a whole bunch of people who don't believe that go, hey, aren't we supposed to kill people like that? Yep, all right, let's make a plan. So they make a plan to kill him. And this is the second phase that comes in here. Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night. So his friends, the new Christians that he met, A week ago, his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, and then he went to Jerusalem. Ananias was willing to walk up to a scary guy and minister to him. People who knew him for a week were willing to protect him. There will be Christians around you. There will be people who love Jesus, who part of their transformation is needing us to protect them needing us to stand with them and say, I know you're new at this, but we stand with you, we protect you, we love you, we got your back. We're called to gather around people who need us. Gathering around people who needed Saul saved his life. And there are people that we need to gather around, and being a small part of their transformation journey buys them space to be on that transformation journey. Saul wasn't perfect, but he was protected. So let's be willing to minister to whoever's around us. Let's be willing to have their back. And then this last part is let's be Barnabas. So Saul is like, gosh, where should I go? I just became a Christian. I know what I'll do. Head back to Jerusalem, center of all persecution. So Saul heads back to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the disciples. He tries to walk up to Peter and everybody and be like, hey, guys, I'm a Christian now. (laughs) Can you imagine (laughs) So he walks up to the disciples, and what did the disciples do? Did the disciples say, welcome back, everybody? Saul, (laughs) amazing, come on in. What do you think they did? Nope, big nope, a big nope to uh, them. Uh, When he came back, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Sometimes when you go on a transformation journey, people don't believe it yet. But Barnabas took him, (laughs) come here, I always picture them holding hands, probably not, but I do, Uh, and brought them to apostles. He comes up and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm a Christian. They're like, no, big no. And Barnabas is like, come here, come here. I'm going to walk you straight to the highest up people, and I'm going to speak for you. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And that changed their minds. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. 
It's a theme. That's the phrase that you hear around Paul a lot. The third thing is that they need people to stand up for them and say, I believe in your transformation journey. You're not perfect, but I see God at work in you, and I'm here for it. Saul, who eventually changed his name to Paul, or we just started calling him Paul, um, he wrote 13 books of the Bible. And I would suggest to you that without Ananias and the community that saved his life and a Barnabas who spoke up for him, that journey would have been a lot harder. God had him on a transformation journey, and he invited people to do it with him. And God invites us to be a powerful part of each other's transformation journey. Sometimes we need to minister to those that we think, (laughs) you scare me and I'm not sure. Sometimes we got to protect people who are fresh in that journey or just anybody who needs protection. And sometimes we need to speak up and say, I see you and I see it and I see the progress and I am for you and for your transformation. What I'd like for us to do now, we usually do like ministry after this and I think we will. But I just want you to think right now of one person who has been instrumental for you in your transformation journey. Now, you may not be a Christian. You may not have gone on that journey with Jesus, and that's okay. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that you're not comfortable with. So feel free to just sit uh, and ponder. But I think it's, it's really helpful whether you feel like you're a fully signed up Christian or you're still on your faith journey. Uh, who has been transform- important to your faith journey, your transformation Has it been somebody who, out of nowhere, came and ministered to you? Is it someone who protected you when you need it? Or listened and believed in you as you spoke? What I'd like is for us to have one or two people who are willing to share those stories, not from the front. That's big and exposing. But I would like us to get back into groups, but that doesn't mean that everyone has to share their story. So if we could just get into groups and have one of you be bold enough to tell that story and everyone else listen, because I think it's really encouraging. And if another one is willing to share, great, but it's okay to just listen. And so would you be willing. I, I really like for you to be bold enough. Can you just show me with your hands the people who are, who are happy to share? Not up front, but just so that I can see. Yeah? Is there enough? Okay, great. Good. Okay, wonderful. So i just like you to gather in, in groups and be like, did one of those people raise their hands so that no one feels awkward to do that? Um, if you're an introvert, feel free to listen. If you're not sure you want to say something, listen. But there is something powerful in people telling stories that I just want to say, this is not just something in the Bible that happened thousands of years ago. This is how God moves today, and I want to remind us of that. So get into groups of big groups, six or seven, say, and listen to one person's story. And if someone else is willing to share, share a second one. I'm going to give you five minutes to do it. But just say, how has someone partnered with God to be part of your transformation in Christ? Uh, Ready, steady, go. All right. 
When we say yes to life with Jesus, we are on a journey of transformation to become more and more like him. And it doesn't just happen in one one moment and encounter with God and that's it. Whoop, that's all we need. It's just our own little secret time with God. But there is a sharpening and a helping and a community that God brings around us to be willing to minister to us when we're the persecutors, <laughs> to be willing to wade into our lives when they don't know what's going on with us, to surround us with their protection and to speak up for us when we need someone, to be a part of our transformational journey. And you are called to be part of that transformational journey in the lives of each other. Not because you're perfect or fantastic, but because God picked you. That's the fun of it, is, is we all, imperfect as we are, get to be a small part of each other's transformation journey that together we may better represent who God has called us to be. And so I just want to pray for you as ministers of the kingdom. God, I thank you that you do not leave us as we are, but that you transform us to free us of all that entangles us, to cut the sin off of us that holds us down, that we may be free and as we are designed to be. I thank you that you promise to encounter us, to speak to us, to reveal yourself to us, that like Saul, we may have those encounters that are, that are life-changing. But God, I thank you that you also send your people to minister to us when we're hidden in a house for three days and so disturbed that we don't eat for days, that you send your people to knock on the door of where we are. Make us those people who are willing to seek out those who need you, no matter who they are or what their backgrounds are, no matter what we experience. God, I pray that you would make us bold to protect those who need your protection, that they may have space to transform and grow. God, I pray that you would show us those we need to take by the hand and advocate for them and speak up for them and say, I see you and I see your transformation and what God is doing in your life. That we may be the people of God, that we may be transformed and we may see others transform. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just close in worshiping the God who loves us enough to want to give us freedom and invites us to be a part of his great plans for each other.